Nation. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette, the Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so That practice schedule for you. So uh, very excited for them. Let's get started uh, with today's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Uh, well, the drama continues between the Colts, Jim Irsay, and Jonathan Taylor over the weekend. News broke that Taylor had requested a trade after being denied an extension or a new contract. Jim Irsay's social media comments, they never help. And now a report from indie beat writers say the team could put him on uh, this injured list of where he would not be paid during the season over back issues that he had reportedly suffered away from team facilities. Taylor took this Twitter this morning to deny ever reporting any back problems says he doesn't currently have any back problems. Ursay also stating today, though, that uh, yesterday he will not trade Taylor. Not today, not in October. Trade deadline is. And more bad news today for the Colts at running back. Zach Moss broke his arm in practice. That's six weeks out for Moss. Purdue quarterback Hudson Card named to the Maxwell Award watch list. That is uh, given out to the college player of the year. So he's... On the initial list, which is good. Purdue Basketball announcing they do have a streaming provider for the Europe trip, Flow Hoops. Details on the Boiler Ball Twitter X What do we call it? Seriously, this whole Twitter thing, X? It's like when they rename a stadium and you're like, yeah, I'm still calling it whatever. I'm still stuck in that phase. MLB trade deadline looming tomorrow. Cubs have reportedly taken Cody Bellinger off the block over the weekend. Could have something to do with the eight-game winning streak they were riding heading into last night. But the Cards, well, they put an end to that with a 3-0 win to avoid the sweep. Kyle Hendricks stayed in for seven innings, gave up eight hits, three earned, just two strikeouts. Yeah, Gomes, two for four. That's the lone bright spot, really, for the Cubbies, who head home to host the Reds tonight. Big one there is Marcus Stroman. Will face Andrew Abbott in the first of a four-game series starting tonight in Wrigley. Strowman's allowed two runs or fewer in five of six career starts against the Reds. Since he leads the season four to one, though, comes just four games behind the division-leading Reds. Sox split their weekend series with the Guardians after a 5-0 loss yesterday. Mike Kopech goes. Five innings, four hits, three earned, and two Ks in the loss. Sox with just four hits that all came from their top four batters. Each one got a hit, and that was it. 
Uh, Sox will head to Texas. They're going to face the Rangers tomorrow. They better put that uh, roof on. 105 degree temperature at the stadium tomorrow. Rangers spent the weekend getting swept by San Diego. John Gray going to be on the mound while uh, the White Sox are going to have to figure out what to do with this rotation since they've sent off two players and said they're not going to let go of Dylan Cease. But you can't go Kopech Cease back to back to back. It's not going to work that way. And there you go. Folks, that would be today's need-to-know news for this um July 31st, last day of July. We got Purdue football practice starting tomorrow, which is exciting. They sent me the email about media credentials and everything, but Friday evening, and it looks like we're not going to get much in the terms of uh, access at camp. I mean, we're going to get to talk to them, but we're not going to be able to watch a lot. Another thing happening today here is uh, there are rumors in the Twitter sphere, some of which I believe, some of which I do not believe, but that the Big Ten could be adding as many as four teams tomorrow. We're going to dive into that in a little bit. Two of them I have been saying forever. We're going to join the Big Ten. Two of them are not on my radar, and I don't believe. But we'll talk about the possibility and all that stuff. We'll run it down just a little bit. We'll get more into that Jonathan Taylor Colts drama a little bit later as well. Uh, I got my talk with uh, Dub from uh, Boiler Upload. Got to meet him, and uh, we chatted up a little bit at Big Ten Media Day. I'll uh, uh, run that back for you guys so you can take a listen, see what uh, was on his mind uh, last week as we were talking to uh, all the uh, football coaches and players and stuff. So we got a good show lined up for you today. Uh, tonight, we want to get back at it with some of our best bets. Uh, everybody's going to give you a big uh, profit boost for tonight's uh, women's uh, soccer matchup, USA and Portugal. This is one of those things where I, I don't know what to expect, really, with them. I don't know what the ideal bet is. I will say this, I I don't know. Find something for yourself that feels like I'm going to use the boost and I can just, you know, put like a fiver on it. I'm good with that and maybe turn that into like 40, 50 bucks. That's what I like to do with those boosts. And I I wish I had a really, really great answer for you here on what to do. I've seen people give me goal scorers. I've seen people give me um, under, like one and a half total goals. I mean, like, if you like to use FanDuel, they've got all these... um, you know, specials and stuff. See something. You know, take take a look at the the twelve to one stuff. See what you can figure out. But I just, man, I don't have, I don't have much on women's soccer. It's not a sport that I'm that familiar with. But for you know fifty percent and hundred percent boost that some of these books are offering, I think you're crazy not to 
throw a little something on it and play a lotto. That's just me. Over to baseball, Cody Bellinger is over his total base prop in eight of his last ten. All right, this is a double-edged sword here tonight with that bet, though. The problem that I'm having with this is Cody's still very good, but, you know, facing the left, he's great. And he's mainly been getting a lot of singles. He doesn't get a whole lot of... It feels like the the extra bases aren't necessarily there for him. But I expect this to be a lower-scoring game. And there is a 10-mile-an-hour uh, win coming in from right tonight. However, uh, he is rolling. He is good. That might be a decent place for you to take a look at tonight. This one was interesting. I didn't realize this. George Springer has failed to record a hit in nine of his last ten games. He's gone cold, plus 190 to not hit tonight. He does have an excellent matchup to get out of uh, of that rut tonight in Baltimore. But I saw that, and, you know, cold guy hits 250 on the season. But, yeah, hasn't really done much in terms of hits uh, over the last uh, week or so. You know, he's going to take on Kyle Gibson tonight. He's 158 career against him. Three hits and 19 at-bats. Not great. He is better against righties, hitting 259. I believe they're in Baltimore tonight, too, right? So, he tends to hit worse on the road than he does uh, at home, that's for sure. A couple trends that I saw today. What a ton. It's not a huge slate tonight. Uh, I like a lot of the I like the pitchers on Friday, but I'll tell you what, they've just been they are not hitting the marks that you would expect them to across Major League Baseball. I mean, guys that you figure should be blowing their strikeout to that are like, you know, five and a half, six, and you're like, these guys could go to like ten. And then they're coming up short. Uh it, it it's been crazy. So yeah, I, I, those that's individually. We're we're really hitting an albatross of a time in baseball right now. Not a lot's making sense. It was a big weekend of upsets and guys just not hitting the marks like they should. Really shakes your faith. Hard stuff out there. So best of luck to you. Again, Google something. Go to like you know place like Pickwise or Action Network. Find a good soccer bet that's long odds. Play a little lotto. Use the boost. See if you can't hit something tonight. Good luck. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, my talk with Dub Jellison coming up next. You don't want to miss out with that uh, from Boiler Upload. I had a chance to sit down and talk with him about his thoughts at Big Ten Media Day. Um, so we'll run that for you next. Stick around. This is the Hammer Down Show. 
It is the Hammer Down Show. We are at Big Ten Media Days here as uh, we're getting ready for uh, more of our Boilermakers to speak in the individuals here. Uh, I am with uh, Dub Jellison. You know this guy, Boiler Upload here. You see him stuff all the time on the Twitter and the website as well. Does a great job covering Purdue, man. Hey, great to have you on the program here. Um, I mean, look, we, we got all the head coaches stuff out early in the morning here. Uh, it seemed like folks were going to be interested in asking P.J. Fleck about his issues and then asking Harbaugh about his issues. Uh, but outside of that, and not a ton of fire, specifically with Ryan Walters, too. It felt very under the radar, especially with the national media here. Um, we really didn't get a ton out of it. He's been a little secretive, hasn't he? Yeah, most definitely he's been secretive. Um, I think that that's just kind of his personality when he gets out into the public eye. He. He's not going to be that flashy, that flashy individual that maybe sometimes that the players see or the the coaching staff sees. Um, and I think that's just kind of the personality he's shown um, today. But um, as as you and I know, there is quite a bit of buzz surrounding the program because of his personality. Um, things like the recruiting trail is is really shown there. So, um, yeah. Are you concerned? I've been asking everybody this here. Um, we haven't gotten a chance to see anything really in spring. Not, not, not really with this offense. But we're talking. Well, we up to like nineteen twenty on the transfer counter here, and uh, we've got a whole new coaching staff. We're talking a whole new offensive system, whole new defensive system. Now we got a new quarterback. I mean, this is like we've taken this thing down to the studs, so to speak. Um, is, is there any worry from you? You think that maybe they don't have this up to speed where they would like to be at this point? No, I don't think so. And like you said, we didn't see a whole lot during the spring to really base that off of. Uh, we'll see a lot here during fall camp, hopefully, and then during the season, um, obviously. But I think as media pundits, as fans, as as whoever, I think we don't give these kids enough credit for how much work they actually put in. They're, they're grinding day in and day out, seven days a week. They don't have off days, uh, specifically during camp in the season. So I think all these guys are bought in. Um, it's just a matter of whether that can gel on the field, but I think they have the pieces in place uh, to do so. I think we we were all part of that gaggle right when they came out here earlier, and um, one of the things I happened to notice, maybe it might have been you or Sam were asking about, you know, how do you describe this defense? Well, I, I think I asked the defensive question too about how aggressive it was going to be. You know, uh, they they were asking, is it a four three three four three five five type deal? And really. I mean, it was everything but the answer that I think we were looking for. I mean, that's I think when we're talking about it being a little bit secretive, I, that's the level of secrecy that he has with this. Uh, and I think some fans might be a little bit nervous, but when you think about it here, there's nothing on tape here. You're going to need every advantage you get, and those first four are just so critical for them if they're going to make a bowl this season. Yeah, and no one was really able to solved the puzzle last year after getting quite a bit of tape on it Um, besides Purdue I think Purdue had the most points against Illinois last season if I remember correctly Uh, but yeah just going back to his kind of secrecy in a way of that defense that's his baby Uh, it's more of a it's more of a 5-1-5 you're gonna have five defensive backs uh, with a nickel in there and Sanusi Kane who's gonna kind of work as a, a hybrid of linebacker and safety uh, kind of similar to Jalen Graham in years past so uh, I think his being secrecy is him wanting to preserve that mystery of this defense Um, I think that's maybe some of the reason why it's been so successful Uh, we don't know if that's 
obviously going to be year in and year out. He's going to have the number one defense in the country, obviously. Um, so as, as long as he can preserve that kind of mystery and, and keep changing things up at his own pace, I think the defense will be very successful. We're talking with Dub Jellison here, Boiler Uploads on the uh, Hammer Down Show, Big Ten Media Days here. Um, you know, it, it's not a surprise to bring Hudson Card here today, but uh, the other two, TJ Sheffield and uh, Sanusi Kane. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that uh, we didn't see uh, Nick uh, Skerton, the sack artist formerly known as Nick Calloway. Um, I, I, I'm not going to read too much into it, though, but uh, in, in choosing um, specifically Sanusi and uh, TJ, uh, what kind of message do you think that sends? I think it just shows that they've they've become leaders on this team. Um, we know what Nick Skorton, um, he, he's a huge breakout candidate, but Sanusi Kane was the first guy that Ryan Walters saw in the building when he got here. Uh, if people remember back when he first got off the plane, Sanusi Kane was the guy that greeted him through the front doors. Um, TJ Sheffield, they've been very complimentary of him during spring practice and heading into fall camp. Um, so those are two leaders, two guys that have been around the program for four years now. Um, and and those are the guys that you want representing your school. I believe Coach Walter said that um, during his presser this morning. Uh, talked about Hudson Card, Sanusi, and TJ all representing Purdue the right way, and I think that's why they picked them. Is there a specific unit at this point? I know um, I think Will Fong asked uh, a little bit about uh, the 2024 class, and of course, you know, you get the blanket. Uh, hey, you know, we're very, you know, you can only say so much about that stuff anyway, and, and we all know how the recruiting world goes. Just because they've said it now does not mean they're sell, uh, signing that letter here uh, later on in the fall. But do you, do you have a unit here just with the transfers and everything too that maybe. Uh, you're a little bit concerned about going uh, into the season that could be either short-staffed or maybe just uh, you'd like to see uh, some better personnel in those spots? The offensive line is the glaring question mark for this team. Um, we you... just got salsa. Come on. <laughs> we got a guy named Salsa. Salsa's all the problems. Fair. Fair. Um, well, Co- Coach Walters today uh, told us, the media, that uh, Marcus Bowe will actually be starting camp at tackle um, which was kind of a – it wasn't an unexpected move just because of how, how thin that area was. Um, you had Daniel Johnson and Ben Farrell coming in, and neither one of those guys are um, extremely proven um, at the Big Ten level. So moving Bo over there, it creates three open slots on the interior with left guard, right guard, and center. Um, Gus Hartwig – He's 50-50. I personally don't believe that he'll be back in time to start the season. So um, there could be a mixture of Jalen Grant, um, Austin Johnson, who you just mentioned, Colorado, uh, Preston Nichols, a transfer from UNLV, Luke Griffin is a transfer from Missouri. All all four of those guys have real possibilities to earn uh, starting spots on the interior. And then I uh, look at, like, Josh Kaltenberger, who filled in for Gus Hartwig at the end of last year, he, he did an admirable job, so he'll be in the running as well. But those three interior positions are going to be uh, the biggest question marks. Uh, outside of uh, your Purdue talks this uh, last couple of days, what's what else has really stood out to you here at Big Ten Media Days? Or is there a uh, specific topic that you keep on uh, hearing uh, brought up a lot? I know NIL's been at the forefront of a lot of questioning here, but uh, give me some of the other things that have stood out to you here uh, during Big Ten Media Days. 
I don't know if it's just because I've been paying more attention, but it sure feels like there's a lot more scandals going on this offseason than in years past. You know, with Iowa, they call gambling thing. Um, Jim Harbaugh in that situation. P.J. Fleck um, had been alleged to do to do some some things that was deemed toxic. Um, and then obviously the Northwestern hazing incident. It's don't, don't forget Michigan too. Yeah, with Harbaugh. Yeah, mm-hmm, with Harbaugh. Um, it's just it. I think all these things will get blown over once the season starts and people just forget about them because um, at the end of the day, Northwestern's the only one that's really um, scary, scary and and kind of disturbing. But the rest of them will kind of get brushed under the rug, for lack of a better word. Uh, but that has been uh, one of the biggest topics that I've seen here at Big Ten Media Days. Dub Jealous again. you got to follow this guy on Twitter. Check him out. Boiler Upload. They do a great job over there covering your boilers as well. Uh, live down here from Big Ten Media Day, buddy. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. Nice having a talk with Dub there. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. One of the many guys I got to meet uh, during Big Ten. I didn't get to meet everybody. Shout out to Mick Walker, by the way, who I didn't do a good job of catching back up with to have a talk with, and another guy in our produced Twitter sphere. I, I tried to meet some of these people when I can. I can't always because I don't always get the games. By the time I get the games, well, people are working. But uh, cool to talk with him. That's awesome. All right. Uh, a couple things I wanted to get in here, too. Uh, look, if I got some time, I'll swing back to the Jonathan Taylor drama. I feel like we've talked about that a lot the thing that amazed me over the weekend was it went from Jim Ursay, the fans being like, Jim, stop tweeting, to, oh, this is all Jonathan Taylor's agent's fault. I was a little bit surprised by that. But we basically talked about this the last week or so, before it really became drama. And I told you, the whole reason we're here is because quarterbacks are now demanding more money. It is the most important position. The cap does not keep up. The money has got to come from someplace. And teams feel like they found a way to get around paying running backs, which they can take that money and then pay to the quarterbacks. Wide receiver, those weapons. Right or wrong, that's not for me. I'd like to see guys get paid what they're worth, but I understand we're working on a budget. Money's got to come from someplace. Each team gets to decide how to do that. Hopefully they figure this out so these guys can get second contracts and not get completely screwed over. It's just, it's weird to see a contract negotiation play out in public like this, back and forth. It's disappointing, it's sad, and it shouldn't be going down like this. And there's also the part of me here, too, that says if you sign a four-year deal, and after two years you're unhappy with that deal, and you'd like to renegotiate, I mean, at least an extension would be nice, right? What else can we do? And nothing else we're going to do about it. Like, he's not going to get traded. The trade value is not going to be there. Well, think about this. What, what, who pays what for Jonathan Taylor? Okay, he, he's a rental at best. The Colts don't want to trade him. The Colts don't have to trade him. The Colts are already thin at running back to begin with, and they may think that you don't need a running back, but you're going to need somebody back there. 
and you have access to one of the best in the league. You're not trading him for a fifth-round pick, third-round third round pick at best, maybe. You know what I mean? Nobody's giving that up for Jonathan Taylor right now. It's just not happening on a one-year rental. And then you have to deal with this all you know, next year when the contract's coming up. And the holdouts and all that stuff. Yeah. So, not much else we can do Let let that situation play out. The other thing that I was um, a little taken back by over the weekend was this impending report, and I honestly don't understand where it all comes from, that Tuesday there's going to be uh, an announcement, this is a, this is the rumor, that Oregon, Washington, Florida State, and Clemson will be added to the Big Ten. I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, on two different levels here. First off, I don't believe Clemson and Florida State find their way to the Big Ten. Makes zero, zero sense. Culturally, logistically, Clemson, SEC, if they were to get out of the ACC, seems like a no-brainer. Florida State would make more sense only because I can see Florida, as a member of the SEC, trying to keep State out of that conference. 100%. I have all, I've been uh, multiple times on the show said that Oregon and Washington make the most sense and the next level of additions, but consider this. This would have had to move pretty darn quickly after the Colorado. We knew about the Colorado thing last week. And nobody seemed too eager to talk about expansion during media days. And you would seem like that's something where some news would leak out, and it did not. But Oregon and Washington, you heard me on this program for since we did this alignment last time with USC in UCLA, and I, and I ran down the list of those West Coast teams. I said it's the Pac-12 that is the most vulnerable, and we put those two at the top of the list. Also not for nothing, but Tom Deanhart was also wearing an Oregon shirt underneath his pullover. Inadvertently, I was told. You know, maybe he knows something. But the Big 12 is getting stronger. We know that with Colorado jumping in. They've got the applications for other schools out west. Pac-12 still doesn't have this media deal that they're going to do. You know that Washington, Oregon would more than love to either join the Big 12, more likely join the Big 10. That's good money. Now, in terms of Clemson and Florida State. One, I just don't buy it flat out on the premise. I, I just don't. If they were to target anybody in the ACC, my understanding for talking people to do this kind of stuff for a living, tell me that UNC would be the prize possession there. And rumors of $300 million over 10 years makes sense. This is supposed to be a pretty solid ACC deal. We talked about this during the last expansion because uh, people like Florida State, Clemson tried to bolt for the SEC. Couldn't get out of it. We talked about this. I said, that thing is so locked in. 
but $300 million to jump out and jump into the Big Ten would make sense from a financial standpoint. Because when you're talking about getting $60 million a year, handing over $30 million to the ACC a year for 10 years, that's a nothing burger. You're going to double that. Now, I was reading an article here about just how badly these teams won out of the ACC, specifically Florida State and Clemson, for the reason I told you, is they've got SEC in-state rivals. ACC media deal gives them $35 million a year. Clemson and Florida State. So you can see how if you're making like 60 or more in the Big Ten, this thing pays for itself, right? But with a new SEC media deal, this is a $35 million. They are doubling you up every year. And so now that yearly gap over the life of the grant of rights deal puts Clemson and Florida State in a hole behind their in-state rivals of $455 million. How do you think in-state recruiting is going to go? How do you think recruiting in general in that area is going to go if we're talking being $455 million per school behind your in-state rival at that level? The money means everything. You're not making that up in donations. So I fully understand that Clemson, Florida State, maybe a couple other um, ACC schools, like, we got to get out of this. We got to get into the money. But to the Big Ten, I, they don't meet that AAU uh College standard thing, right? They're 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 out of that. I'm always told that's the one of the biggest factors in adding somebody into the conference. I don't know that makes your newest members happy in USC and UCLA having to go literally from coast to coast every year. I mean, you're already trying to get you already got to get out to Rutgers, right? You're going to get out Penn State's out that way. Don't add more. I, that's, that's a heck of a lot of travel now. We're doing four. Um, I mean, Minnesota's going to hate that. It's just, it's too much. It, it makes no, no, the stars don't line up. The only thing that makes sense is that we know Clemson, Florida State desperately want out of that TV deal and into the SEC TV deal. I would be shocked if this is a Big Ten play. Look, the Big Ten doesn't have to add. Because I don't think what the SEC is targeting um, and fits for them versus what the Big Ten would be targeting and what fits for them, I don't think they necessarily clash. Sure, everybody wants Notre Dame, but do you see Notre Dame in the SEC? Does that culturally fit? Does it regionally fit? 
If they go anywhere, they go to the ACC or they go to the Big Ten. And the Big Ten knows that. Now, is there fear of losing out on like a Oregon and Washington because they panic and they go to the Big 12? A- absolutely. But again, do you need to take them in right now? Or can you wait till the ACC deal is up? Go get you a UNC that you like. Maybe see if you get somebody regionally that fits in, like a like a pit, maybe. I mean, there are options. You have the 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 big deal. All right, you're the uh, you're the you're the high you're, you're the quarterback. You're the prom king. You ask that girl to dance, she's going. The same thing with this. They're not going to tell you no. We don't want to come and make all that money. No, we're more than happy staying in the Pac-10. And I'm sure Oregon and Washington will go, listen. We got a deal on the table. We'd like to come. If we're going to do it, let's do it. This is the time. Otherwise, we miss the window. And then you could fall behind the SEC. But something tells me Oregon and Washington, even... If the Big Ten is not eager to add right now or expand, that whatever deal they do sign from a media rights standpoint is going to give them plenty of outs. How much bigger would the Big 12 get, though? That would be the big coup here, I think. The Big 12 were to swallow up Washington and Oregon as well. They get Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. But hey, go out to the West Coast, Stanford's still out there for you, right? Cal's still out there for you. If that's what you want to do, I don't think the Big Ten's really, uh, I don't think they got to make the move right now. But I'd be shocked if we found this out tomorrow. I never say never with this level of money involved and it's collegiate sports. Two of those schools make sense, the other two just don't. But it's just way too much money involved. Way too much money involved. And this would have come together rather quickly. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We will wrap up the Hammer Down Show next. Uh Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show. It's 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Justelize. Thank you for making me a part of your Monday. Uh, It's uh, exciting times here. Last day of July, tomorrow. Our first day of Purdue football practice. Excited about that. I'm ready for the fall. High school teams got after it today. Still getting after it today. Shout out to them. It's a wonderful time of the year. Let's get into some of the things that we may have missed. Um, I, I love this, and this needs to be put on social media. Jimmy Butler is having a basketball and cheerleading camp for kids ages 7 to 18 in Fort Lauderdale the end of August. But, there's something else here. For $699, a parent or camper can play Jimmy Butler. You want to size up your skills? Play Jimmy one-on-one? You have your chance. 
The camp itself is $349. Two days. You also get a team photo with Jimmy. They're not going to charge you for that photo either. You'll get an autographed keepsake photo card. You get the t-shirt. You get water, Gatorade, all that stuff. And you also get to do that. It looks like he's got a whole bunch of other stuff here, too. Is this all in the same camp? I'm just looking at it now. It's CelebritySportsAcademy.com. He's got, like, lunch and everything, too. You could do this. Compete in the Anthony Simmons Skill Challenge as well for $149. That's a whole racket here. But I, I love the idea of a parent or somebody... Be 18 and play Jimmy Butler and see just how big the difference is. That's a humbling moment, especially for uh, an 18-year-old young man. That's going to be humbling for some 30-some-year-old man who thinks that he can still go out there and play hoops and realize that he never had a chance. This, I, I really hope there'll be social media posts like this. I hope Jimmy embarrasses some of the older parents that sign up for this. I I dig this. $700 to get whooped up on by an NBA player. I just I I can't fathom the people that I love it, but I can't fathom the people that do that like that's not something that I need proven to me. I don't care how good I am. I'm not going to be able to beat Jimmy Butler one-on-one. I'm not one of those guys either. That's, I, I look at a quarterback. Come on, I can complete the throw. Probably not. Could I hit a guy uncovered in, in the flat? Yeah, sure, I can make that pass. feel pretty good about that. But some of y'all talk way too recklessly. Now you can put your money where your mouth is. And trust me, you don't want to. Save the $700. Take the family out. Go do something fun. (laughs) This is crazy. I can't believe his NBA contract lets him do that too. Uh, You hate to see it. A Tennessee fan listed his tickets for the Georgia game for $5 on accident. Presumably, they'd be $500. Six-plus pairs for that price, $5. The fees were twice what the tickets cost. So people are putting up screenshots that did get them. uh, Just under $29 for a pair of tickets with the fees. You hate to see it, the Tennessee fans, because, boy... You know, they just never get a break. Remember the uh, Music City Bowl against Purdue? And it was getting pulled across the goal line, and then they stopped the play, and then, you know, you legally couldn't do that anyway, but, you know, it should have counted, and they would have won the game, but then it wouldn't have ended the game there. They suffer all the time. It's terrible. 
Now this poor guy's losing out on good money because he's not double-checking what he just put in to, I don't know, StubHub, the whatever the official Tennessee Athletics app is. Hate to see it to Tennessee fans. Hate to see it for you, Tennessee fans. And finally, you know, the Jimmers say Jonathan Taylor saga is something, but I think it's a whole new level here to leak out that you are willing to put Taylor on this physically unable to perform list to where you wouldn't have to pay him during the season. As part of your very public contract negotiations. I look, paying running backs, that, that that's a whole different argument. I uh, I say this, the optics of what you are doing publicly. are very bad. Keep in mind, Jonathan Taylor may be gone, but you're still going to want other free agents to come here. And as the NFL continues to be very competitive, I think you got to wonder, if I sign a contract there, are they going to do right by me in the two years when it's up? That's a legit concern, I think, that free agents might have going forward. And I saw a great, I I like to give Stephen A. too much credit, but I thought he had a really good point on first take. For all the things that Jim Ursay has done in the public and then has been given, you know, how we've heard, a, a little bit of grace, some latitude, and understanding what his, you know, issues have been. The fact that he's really not treating this situation with that same kind of grace and maybe understanding and maybe patience is a little upsetting. I I think that is upsetting for some Colts fans. Pay him, don't pay him, that's a debate. But the way it's being handled in public, man, it just, it it feels wrong. Hey, that's going to do it for us here on the Hammerdown Show today, tomorrow. We'll see if we got any news and notes from the first Purdue football camp and uh, Kelly Hanahan from uh, my talks at Big Ten Media Day. That's tomorrow.